My my number one game, like over any, like even the bucket game, is going to the big house next year. Like Ooh. if I can only go to one game, I would go to the big house. I'm Just actually I'm low key excited for Western Kentucky. That's such a weird one. Bowling yeah. Green, Kentucky. Yeah. That's, that's so weird. Home like, of the Corvette. Yeah, the home of the giant sinkhole. That that years ago that swallowed all the Corvettes. Yes, and they made it part of the museum. All, all the cars fell in, and they're just like, we can sell tickets for this. Oh, my God. All the Corvettes are just like, help, I'm I'm priceless, and I'm in this Kentucky hole. Ditch. And they're like, well, that's an extra 20 bucks, and we're going to put a, put a wall around it, <laughs> charge more money for people to see it. We are recording now. <laughs> the rolling on the field stands. Touchdown. Hi, folks. Welcome to Reach for the Pod, live from the IDS newsroom. I'm Colin Culpa. <laughs> With me is Evan Gerke. Introduce yourself, Evan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Evan Gerke, uh, fall 2020 IDS football reporter. We have Pat here, too. Hey, folks. Uh, Patrick Feltz. I hosted, or hosted. I'm not hosting anything. <laughs> That's our good friend Colin over here. I am on this podcast, and I, in the spring of 2021, covered football. Yes, just fresh off the spring football season, and Bradley's here, too. Hi, I'm Bradley Hohulan. I was a football columnist this past fall, and as of a few seconds ago, I thought Evan's last name was pronounced Garricky. You're not the only one. So did I. I'm so sorry, <laughs> Evan. It, it, isn't it always like that, though? It always Everyone has been, always yeah. Always pronounce the names. <laughs> well, we're, we're fresh off the news that uh, Dylan McCullough's son has committed to IU football, but we can get back to that later. First, let's run through a couple of the headlines from this last spring. Pat was on top of it as close as it could be um, due to COVID restrictions. But IU football made a lot of waves in the offseason after their loss in the Outback Bowl. Um, picked up those new coaches. Uh, defensive coordinator Charlton Warren joined us from Georgia. Um, a big pickup from the SEC. Um, Dylan McCullough, running backs coach uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs. So two straight Super Bowls, and then he decided to come join Tom Allen. Um, there was no official spring game, no Crimson and Cream game. I Crimson and cream, cream and crimson, cream and crimson is probably what it's called. Emphasis on the cream for sure. Cream and crimson game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was replaced with a scrimmage that was close to the public, so Pat could not go, unfortunately. Um, but there were the traditional uh, 15 spring football practices uh, before fall ball. Um, Dexter Williams, Jr., uh, third string quarterback in the fall, almost saw some playing time in that Wisconsin game. He went down with an ACL tear. Um, and... Let's take a minute to talk about that, uh, the quarterback position. Uh, obviously, Michael Penix Jr., ACL tear in the Maryland game, kind of started the the shift in the season, the trajectory of the season uh, last year, uh, despite COVID concerns. And then Dexter Williams also tearing his ACL. That's two of the top three quarterbacks toward their ACL. Um, right. All... all points everything is indicating that michael Penix should be back by the first game but mm-hmm. with acl tears you can't ever tell it is the second time on yeah. the same knee and that's what alan said he, he said that he expects you know michael to be playing week one at iowa but you know you're not going to see dexter williams probably this season that that's an injury it does take a long time to recover from and lucky i guess timing wise for michael is that he tore in november so uh, obviously a lot of time there for him to to recover and to hopefully be back week one uh, for his sake but uh, you know, at quarterback, too, they are bringing in one recruit, at, at least on scholarship, and, and that's uh, uh, from, from Lawrence North High School. Donovan McCauley. Of Indianapolis, the one and only Donovan McCauley, uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the state, one of the top players in the state. I think he was, I think, 
about a top 10 uh, quarterback uh, as far as dual threats go. So he was a highly recruited player, uh, and I expect him to play probably in, in two years once Michael Penix is gone, uh, assuming, I don't know, how COVID affects uh, eligibility with all that. So uh, one day I think you'll, you'll see him as a starting quarterback for this team, and maybe sooner rather than later because uh, you know how injuries are. You never know, and they've had some injuries at the quarterback position, obviously, Michael, the last couple of years. So you could see him play sooner rather than later, but uh, – I've heard nothing but good things about him, especially as a high school player, you know, throwing to Omar Cooper, another big-time recruit for 2022, a guy who I know IU is heavily recruiting. So uh, there's going to be some entry, I think, on McCauley uh, going forward. Uh, but but at quarterback, you know, you've seen Tuttle uh, obviously played with the separated shoulder, another injury in that Ole Miss game. So at that position, injury is always a concern, and it is the most important position on the field. We all know that. So, you know, you got to hope – Penix is ready week one and if he is you cross your fingers he stays healthy and I think if he's healthy this guy's the limit yeah and you talked about McCauley as you know one of the best recruits in Indiana he was one of the Mr. Football finalists in the state um honestly I wouldn't be surprised if we never saw Dexter Williams on the field um with that ACL tear you know he's out for the season uh it wouldn't surprise me if he was the kind of guy that would transfer after you know after the 22-23 season or I guess before the season, Penix might be you know leaving, trying to go pro, mm-hmm. um, and that, a guy like Donovan McCauley is going to be coming up and really challenging for that top spot uh, with Tuttle, who I would assume would still be here at that time. So I could see a guy like uh, Dexter Williams either transfer out, go somewhere else where he's going to get playing time, or even they've talked about his athleticism as a kind of guy who could learn a different position, and you know we might see him uh, a wide receiver or a cornerback or something that you can't foresee now, but he's got that athleticism where they know he's not going to play quarterback but he wants to be at IU, so they change him into a different position for the future. Right. This team is no stranger to guys playing, you know, new positions. T- take a look at Reese Taylor, high school quarterback, Ben Davis. Now he's a defensive back and one of the top defensive backs in my mind in the entire conference. So, you know, they're not afraid to experiment a little bit, I think, with this team. So if the coaching staff sees a better fit somewhere else, because I'm kind of with you, I don't know if there's a path to him starting to no fault of his own, uh, just kind of a victim of circumstance how the scholarships line up with Penix and then of course McCauley coming in this year so to no fault of his own he might kind of get left out of that starting role Bradley you got to watch the whole season this too you even were you at the Ohio State game is that your game I was indeed at the Ohio State game that was the one game I had the utmost privilege of visiting it was an extremely exciting game and you know it's obvious it's very easy to just say that the starter is the best guy but I think in that game we really saw Penix's willingness to stretch the field and throw to literally anybody <laughs> even last season with Peyton Ramsey when he took over for Penix we did see a reliance on certain receivers like you check a box score and you'd be like all right Peyton Hendershot and Watfillier both had 12 receptions and everyone else had zero or one but Penix just kind of throws to whoever and that comes with the confidence of getting in the reps and practice with a lot of different guys and so while I do believe that Jack Tuttle and Dexter Williams are both very accomplished and have plenty of talent I think that given that they've all suffered their own unique injuries we just kind of have to hope that the guy who's most comfortable with the offense can come back because I think the limitations are pretty clear when Penix isn't under center. I think Tuttle gets a bad rap. I think he's better than maybe people give him credit for. Um, we saw in that bowl game, he was throwing with a separated shoulder, and you can't really perform your best. Um, I mean, he was an elite 11 recruit. He was. and I mean, he was in the same class as um, uh, 
Trevor Lawrence and Justin yeah, Fields. Yep. Out of those, like he, he was he was gonna he was a good recruit coming into Utah before he transferred to IU, and I think he has the ability to you know hit good throws. And if he was at full health and Penix wasn't available, he's the kind of guy who could lead a team. And Wisconsin, that Wisconsin game was mostly defensive battle, but he had his really good throws, um, especially that drop that Miles Marshall had. Mm-hmm. That was an easy 65, 75-yard touchdown. But he's not Michael Penix, and we know this. We've seen this, like you said, with Ohio State, Wisconsin, the bowl game. Um what Mike Penix brings to the team is almost so many intangibles at the quarterback spot. Um, he's the kind of guy who likes to sit in the pocket and wait for his receivers to get open. And he, I mean, he makes incredible throws, incredible plays that even talented guys like Jack Tuttle can't always do. And that's something that without Penix behind center, it, it really changes uh, what IU's offense looks like. And I think back to that bowl game, and that bowl game has a lot of anomalies because it, it, it was post-COVID outbreak mm-hmm. at IU, uh, playing against the Ole Miss, the Lane Kiffin squad that like runs a play every five seconds. Um, but what Wap Fillier set a school record for receptions. I was gonna say and, you talk about over reliance. Yeah, he only went for fifty eight yards too, which is a different scenario. Yeah. Um, but like Jack Tuttle, despite all the injuries, he was going to one guy. Yeah, he, you can't he, throw vertically because of the separated shoulder. What are you going to do? Yeah, right. You get it to the playmaker. So at least there's there. But he did not pass the ball around. Um, and it it's it's just really unfortunate because sometimes I think we we all think whatever teams we root for, they're unlucky with injuries, even though it's across the board. But IE particularly, all three top three on the depth chart have had some kind of major injury in the last year, and um, <laughs> that includes your starter that made that LeBron James was tweeting about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which isn't a great scenario especially for IU football yeah uh one more thing with Tuttle I just wanted to get this out there my favorite Tuttle fun fact is that uh the only reason that Ohio State has Chris Olave on their team is because they were recruiting Jack Tuttle who played for his high school team in San Diego oh my gosh uh, (laughs) I did not know that (laughs) I learned that from my good friend Reed Murray who I do a podcast with uh he's an Ohio State fan so uh there's your fun uh Chris Olave fact of the day Chris Olave facts. He's still there, right? Yes, he is. He's coming back for another year. Oh, gosh. And that that's something we were talking about as we were coming in. Uh, we, we could not watch the Cream and Crimson game. Um, but a lot of schools are still going to have that, that traditional scrimmage. Including um, Ohio State this Saturday. Including Ohio State this Saturday. So if you're interested, want to scout out an appoint, opponent, see, are the Buckeyes going to be better? Do they look better? Do they look worse? Not only a opponent. I would say the opponent that's for next season. The opponent. Like, I, I think if you're circling a game on the calendar, and I feel like we're getting off track here, but... Um, um, if you're circling a game on the calendar, personally, I'm circling IU Cincinnati just because, you know, that game was scheduled five years in advance as a non-conference game. And who would have guessed that it would be a top 10 matchup? Like, we're, <laughs> mm-hmm, very this, likely. Is, this is ESPN college game day, like prime territory here. And that game was scheduled five years ago. Mm-hmm. The heat was going to be like bottom of the schedule on BTN. Plus. Network, BTN, <laughs> yeah. um, noon, noon kickoff. kickoff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But like the opponent for IU has to be Ohio State because not only was that, you know, the big loss last year. And a way better game than a lot of people thought it was going to to be. But there's that losing streak. Like, that's a really the one you have to break now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, a, there's a few big streaks. I think we can talk about streaks later. There's a few big ones that they still need to break. Um, you know, win the Big Ten, win a bowl game. But beating Ohio State is a really big one that really kind of secures... Um, a position in the national conversation for Tom Allen's team. Right? Those, are, those are Tom Allen's numbers, right? When he came in, he wanted to, what, winning season, win a bowl game, win the conference. 25-50 or something like that. Something, and then a couple of those numbers are still up because, mm-hmm. I yep. mean, 
apart from the winning season, he hasn't he hasn't no, he's, he hasn't he's, hit those numbers yet. He's we're gotten close in the bowl game, but so uh, took a big hit on that last season. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, in that Ohio State game, that is the game for. For winning the Big Ten East, really, uh, you look at what Michigan brings back. Not a lot. They're gonna have, probably have a rough season. Penn State, a lot of question marks there too. They lose some guys to the NFL. Uh, Indiana's the team who, who really slots into that second place in the in the Big Ten East for now, where they finished last year, debatedly. But um, in that Cincinnati game too, you talk about it. That's gonna be a national spotlight game, probably like a 7:30, 3:30 ABC kickoff. Uh, I don't think it'll get college game day because that's the same week as Oklahoma, Nebraska, uh, Nebraska, though. which is going to be an awful game, but those teams draw <laughs> eyes. So, uh, <laughs> we're going to yeah. see with that, but, uh, it, that's certainly the one you schedule And both of those games. I think just as importantly are in Bloomington, you get those at home. So, well, yes, Ohio state travels better than any team in the country and will fill up a significant portion of the stands as they always do, but less, you got to think it's less <laughs> going forward because I think the excitement and the enthusiasm around this program is bigger than it's been at least any time, you know, I've been paying attention to it, which is most of my life. Yeah. And you talked about, you know, that that it probably is the game for the, the Big Ten East. I mean, who's third in the conference? Maybe Maryland, and that's only because of Telia Tugavaloa. Like, they don't really – there's not a whole lot of good competition you with, like I said, Michigan about, and Penn State. You always have but, to think about Penn State. That's yeah. The and they've got, you know, they've got talent at Penn State, obviously. They've got great receivers. Uh, and at running back, maybe they'll have some more experience this year, obviously. Tough situation last year with Journey Brown, so – uh, we're gonna see, I guess, and some people are slotting Penn State as maybe a top twenty-five team. We'll see, but uh, I, I think obviously Ohio State, Indiana, those are the top two, and then out west, it's it's more of a anybody's game, sort of. It could be Wisconsin, it could be Iowa, it won't be Nebraska. So we'll see. <laughs> That'll be fun in a couple of weeks. We'll probably put together some Big Ten predictions. That'll yeah, be fun. Yeah. Moving on, uh, some rather good news of a bad situation uh iu football established the chris Beatty uh indiana football scholarship and outstanding walk-on award and they've already been awarded uh bd former iu football player died last summer um he was a huge deal uh in the community in indianapolis um and now we have a um a scholarship that goes to a preferred walk-on and two players have already won um the Award, not the scholarship, but the award. Uh, Davion Irvin Poindexter, a running back, a uh, sophomore running back, and Christian Harris, a junior wide receiver. So that's good to see. Moving on, Pat, you got to watch spring ball to a degree. Obviously, COVID, you couldn't be there the whole time. Um, There's some players <laughs> that we need to watch. We need to talk about uh, DJ Matthews among them. But um, there are also some awards that were handed out based on those practices, and and, and people didn't get to see what they usually would mm-hmm. to a degree. Um, can you tell us about some of those players? Yeah, most of this is word of mouth from the coaches who, who I basically picked up. Obviously, they're going to talk up a lot of their players because, you know, that's what they do. They, they like their guys. And that's a good thing. Right. So, uh, but what this time around, the one guy who just I kept hearing about was DJ Matthews, transfer from Florida State at receiver. Uh, I've heard nothing about nothing but how, how quick he is and how, how good he is really just from the first practice. He was the MVP of the first practice. Uh, and speed is what kills with him. He was a top, you know, 50, 100, I think, recruit in 2017, going to Florida State from Jacksonville. I, I believe he's from Jacksonville. Um, I mean, this is just a oh, super got, talented guy. Obviously, it didn't work out at Florida State, but, you know, the talent is certainly there. And I believe, uh, you know, if there's going to be a team to figure it out, it's going to be this one where he can kind of fit into that Wap Fillier role in the slot. Obviously, Fillier is going to be NFL, but he fits in that slot receiver role, pairs well nice to, next to Ty Freifogel. 
I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of action from him, and, and he was the MVP on the offensive side along with uh, uh, I forget the walk-on's name who uh, who won the Chris Beattie scholarship actually the I'll running back the I running back it. It Davion Irvin Poindexter Davion Irvin Poindexter uh, apologies but. They both were the offensive MVPs of spring practice, and obviously uh, you're going to see more of Matthews as a scholarship player, not a walk-on. Yeah. Not to diminish the impact of walk-ons. They're a very important part of the team. But uh, the other guy, another transfer, uh, is Ryder Anderson, Ole Miss. Got a sack in the Outback Bowl. So uh, you're going to see both of these guys, I think, make a huge impact early because you're losing some production at receiver. You're obviously losing failure on the defensive line. Anderson's actually played inside and outside. I think he's going to slot in more in the end here, but he's played on both sides of the defensive line. He's played tackle. He's played end. Uh, you're losing Jerome Johnson at the defensive tackle spot. So while this team doesn't lose a whole lot in terms of production, I think they're top 25 in the nation in terms of returning production. They still lose some, and these transfers, and Zach Carpenter, too, on the offensive line, the transfer from Michigan, he's going to slot in for Harry Kreider, presumably at center. Uh, you're still getting a lot of really solid players who are going to fill in those spots. Jerome Johnson, of course, could be a top two-round NFL draft pick. Jamar Johnson. Jamar, Jamar Johnson. Jamar Johnson at safety. So yeah. bad. Jerome I'm Johnson. So bad. Jerome oh Johnson, we'll see. Uh, but Jamar Johnson, I certainly think, will be a top Jamar three. Johnson. He's so the round. number two safety projected, I believe. Uh-huh. Out of behind some, I don't remember his name, but some guy out of TCU. Yeah, I think there was a player from TCU and a player from Washington up there, too. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Jamar Johnson will definitely be picked highly. Yeah, I think he'll be good. Um, I'm going to start talking about DJ Matthews. Uh, I do want to get back to Ryder Anderson and the defensive line later. But um, you, you talked about him filling in that WAP failure spot, which is really going to be big. And he's going to be utilized a lot because losing WAP, they don't really have that kind of guy. He's listed here on the roster, 5'10", 153 pounds. It's a pretty small guy. Uh, he's going to be one of the, the more shifty kind of type that uh, WAP failure was. Because you got um, you know Ty Freifogel coming at back, 6'2", 210. And then you got Miles Marshall at 6'4", 212. You got those bigger body kind of guys. Um, while with uh, DJ Matthews, he's going to be kind of that other end. And he's also, you know, going to be a kickoff specialist. So the kind of guy that's going to be doing a lot for IU. And he'll, he'll need to uh, kind of create that, you know, lot fillier type role that IU is going to lose this year. Bradley, what do the wide receivers need this season? Because I... I We'll see if we all agree, but um, the focus of today's episode, the back half, it's going to be talking about the offense. And I think it's weird to say because there was Michael Penix, there was Wap Fillier, there was Stevie Scott. They were all very good. But when it came down to it, the weakness was with the offense. Mm-hmm. This is my perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's not something you're used to with Indiana football. Obviously, right. Kevin Wilson, a offensive it's some of his faults. He was really an offensive mastermind. And he's done a great job with the Ohio State offense, too. Uh, and offense was always a strong point, even when Tom Allen was the defensive coordinator. But when Tom Allen took over as defensive coordinator, the defense steadily improved to where it is today as one of the top defenses in the nation. So I think where the issue was last season, we all agree, sometimes the offense failed to score points in spurts. Uh, you know, you look at early in that Penn State game, kind of, you know, there were some parts of the Penn State game where they struggled, uh, certainly early in the Ohio State game, and, of course, the entire bowl game against Ole Miss. So... Yeah, in in regards to what these wide receivers need, I think based on what I saw last year, and this is, again, just really just blowing smoke um, for for Michael Penix, but you kind of need a quarterback who's really fearless with the ball because there were a lot of plays we saw, um, like I think it was Jacoby Hewitt or Swinton in that Penn State game where they made great receptions, but it was because Penix was just fitting the ball in like a one-by-one-inch space, (laughs) 
and they might not have shined otherwise. So I think you just need a quarterback with a lot of rapport because, I mean, all of these receivers have made amazing grabs when presented with the opportunity. So they can build up a lot of confidence with their quarterback and we can continue to stretch the field. And hey, if we hand off the ball to a running back like more than 12 times in a game, that might take a little bit of a load off. And <laughs> like, you know, call me old fashioned, but running the ball every once in a while is not always bad. It definitely doesn't hurt, does no. it? No. Maybe not establishing the run running like No. When your when your ratio <laughs> of quarterbacks to ACLs is anything less than or anything more than one half. Like <laughs> maybe they need to do a little let bit me, less. Let, yeah. me, let me count on my fingers here a little yeah. bit. Um no, it's not the uh, Mike DeBoard offense either of running a uh, draw plays and screens on third third down. <laughs> Uh, which was super fun. Uh, I was here for that. I forget who else was here for that. No. Mike DeBoard offense. I was not, but I've been watching forever. So wasn't super fun to watch in person. <laughs> so I came under the you know the eight and four season. That was really the first year I ever paid attention to IU football, just because you know being from Northwest Indiana, uh, a lot of Notre Dame people up there. So uh, I oh, witnessed yeah. a couple national championship runs. No matter what you say about not championships, but you saw yeah, some. Yeah, uh, that, that notably the uh, Monte Teo led team. Uh, uh, who got destroyed by Alabama? Um, very similar to 14. nearly any other Notre Dame team in any other big game <laughs> scenario ever um, in our lifetimes. Yeah, but yeah, once I you know I came here and I guess the year before that where they were what five and six, they just missed out going to a bowl game. Um, uh, losing that bucket game to Purdue, I believe. Twice in a row. Yeah, but um, you know, I came here. I kind of watched that year, but once I got here and watched Tom Allen really kind of make the changes. So um, I've only been here for a successful IU football team and a bad IU basketball team, which is not something that many people can say. You know, before we move on, I'm thinking of it off the top of my head. I was looking through non-conference games just in the Big Ten next year. Notre Dame plays Purdue, and I might be the weekend of the IU-Cincinnati game. Yes, it is, so because... If, if you want to hate-watch something, Notre Dame-Purdue, see, like, <laughs> the the Indiana teams we don't like. I think we're neutral for Ball State. They won the Arizona Bowl. Good for them, or whatever. Shout out to Ball State. Shout out to Ball State. All you. Cardinals. Troop, troop. I do still kind of have a soft spot for Notre Dame. I'll, I'll confess that. <laughs> my sister's a student here, there, and I, I believe my family. I was like, you guys should go to the IU Cincinnati game, and they're like, we're going to Notre Dame Purdue that week. We're going. Okay, cool. <laughs> going to South Bend. Imagine choosing South Bend over Bloomington. Couldn't be me. They have a new ice rink in the metro area, and it's really nice. I went there with my mom and my brother a couple winters ago. It was, quite frankly, one of the lovelier winter afternoons I've had. Honestly, I was there with my ex-girlfriend. But, um, yeah, it is a really nice place. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a park. What's it called? It was renovated. My dad grew up in South Bend. Right. And it, I remember I told him about it, and he was like, oh, over there? He, he was like, what are they doing over there? And it was it was, it was beautiful. Mayor Pete maybe, running that? Maybe take it. Maybe if there's an IU bye week, go see Notre Dame's got a home game, and go to the ice rink because it'll be empty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go during the game. Schedule it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying go to Notre Dame Stadium necessarily because that's an expensive ticket it is it's it's a good experience (laughs) if you get the right spots um and go to the right game i've been to two i don't know why we're talking about notre dame football now i am so um, i've I've been to two notre dame games and one was a notre dame byu game where it felt like three degrees yeah (laughs) was that the tyler eifert coach uh i don't know Uh i couldn't tell you i was pretty young and it was freezing and there wasn't a single person within like 20 feet of us and uh uh, we left at halftime because it was so cold which i never do at sporting (laughs) events and when my parents listened 
this. They'll agree with me. Um, <laughs> but uh, I also went to a Notre Dame USC game, which is a big rivalry. I was I got uh, tickets from like a family friend, and we were in like the super fan section, um, packed like sardines. Like you could barely turn. Those seats are tiny there. Uh, and that was actually a really fun experience. Well. What is an IU enrollee if not a Notre Dame rejectee? I'm not salty. <laughs> but with that being said, I think it's high time we move on to our next point. If Colin, you would like to segue us to <laughs> that. You no, hear my two Notre Dame football experiences. That's, that's a, hey, we've got sites. more podcasts to do in we the can future. Do, we can do a Notre Dame episode. <laughs> yeah, apparently we need to do a Notre Dame podcast, <laughs> yeah. too. I was actually I'm sure. rooting against them both games because my cousin was playing on the other team. Oh, there you go. I, I love the fact people will be tuning in like, ooh, the IDS has a new podcast. Why are they talking about Notre Dame so much? <laughs> Apologies. Apologies. We will do it rarely. We will try to hold back. We're just Indiana children that were raised in Indiana and IE football. Well, you know, if you're listening. Um, the offense is our big talking point tonight. We've talked about it a lot. Um, <laughs> is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? What, what do we need from the quarterbacks? We're talking about wide receivers a little bit. Is it going to be more efficient? What do we want to see from the offense? Bradley. Okay. Let's go first. I think we've we've said a lot about the offense. We've expressed some of our opinions. I think we just go around really quick, give a binary, better or worse. Tell me why. Right off the top, I'm going to say worse. That's very pessimistic. I'm just, I'm so shaken by the lack of shoulders and tendons available. And I, I'm just a little concerned. That being said, I'm sure some of my friends here will reassure us as to why they will actually be better. So, Evan, do you want to give us a little bit of that hope? Um, well, since you said binary, uh, I actually am going to agree with you and say worse. Tragic. But oh, no. We'll, we'll, we'll let Pat give his take real quick, and then um, we can kind of go back and I'll explain a little bit more why. I'll tell you why I think they're actually going to improve. Uh, Thank God. And here's why. Uh, well, first of all, obviously Nick Sheridan, last year, first year offensive coordinator, first year play caller. Lots got to change. I think play calling was probably one of their bigger issues. You look at that Ole Miss game; they didn't run the ball enough. Uh, that was, and it was an eff- they were running the ball effectively. They just didn't run the ball enough. And bit of a, a bit of a Nick Share raid, in if you will. <laughs> yeah, and th- and that's when your quarterback had a separated shoulder, and th- there were a couple other times throughout the season where I think play calling was an issue. But you know what? That's a first year offensive coordinator, first year play caller. You know, you got to expect some of that. So I think in a second year that'll improve. I think you know Penix obviously coming off an injury but you know he's come off two straight injuries and he's looked pretty good so i think you know getting him back that'll make the offense look better than it was in those two games with jack tuttle obviously i mean they weren't terrible with with jack tuttle but it's just a more dynamic offense when michael Penix is playing it because there aren't a whole lot of quarterbacks in the nation like him and and running back stevie scott was a great running back but you know he was a little limited in terms of you know true breakaway speed he was a great power back but i don't think they mixed it up enough you know with the other running backs i think samson james tim baldwin who who we did see in that maryland game both very talented running backs who we just didn't see enough as it changes pace so uh, i think they'll probably try and change the pace more because they don't have a true set in stone starting running back uh, they'll, they'll try and mix up, you know, James and Baldwin versus just giving it to Scott whenever they need to run the ball. James didn't really get the ball a whole lot last season, uh, particularly compared to his freshman year where he actually, you know, had some games where he, he was up there in carries because Scott was injured. But uh, you look at this team, and I do think that there are parts of the offense that are going to improve just with experience. Uh, and I think, you know, it'll be about as good as it was last season, but... I think there's no reason to believe that there's going to be a serious decline. 
before we get negative again, when we go back to Evan and Bradley, well, Bradley's already given his two cents. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hear about Evan. Um, I, I think back to, I think it was the Maryland game after Penix went out, and they started putting David Ellis in the uh, the Wildcat. Uh, Stevie Scott. Stevie Scott. Um, well, David Ellis is quick, too. Mm-hmm. I wonder, um, <laughs> with Dylan McCullough coming in, what what... How do we take the load off the quarterbacks? Because obviously that'll be important. Could we do some wildcat? Have some fun? Mm-hmm. Run some run some option stuff like that. That could be that could be interesting. But Evan, do, do you have a better or worse take? Um, <laughs> uh, I as a fan, because I'm not a reporter. I'm here as a fan. Um, I want them to do better. I <laughs> I'm really worried about Michael. I'm really worried about his knee because not not I've never torn an ACL. I've never recovered from an ACL. I've never torn the same ACL again um, and recovered from that. And (sighs) medicine is good. Medicine has improved in human history to the point where you can tear an ACL and recover and be pretty much the same. But um, it wasn't an Achilles. Um, At least that's, I think, it's bad to speculate on injuries. But I remember going on Twitter after that and people were like, it's his Achilles. And I was like, no, it's not. It can't be because that would have been much worse. But not comparing injuries either because every recovery is different i i really hope he's back he's got heisman odds which which doesn't happen a whole lot in iu football um maybe more going to the future leo but um tevin coleman jordan howard well yeah but they were both invited it's in the last 10 years though the quarterback position quarterback position let's keep that i don't know if randall l was invited Maybe. He probably had odds, at least. He probably had odds. It's not common, is my point. And yes. Jack Tuttle doesn't have odds. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. So, um, if if and and who knows if he's not the same, Jack Tuttle's starter. <laughs> and and that 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 creates a different set of problems. But Evan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, Penix, we've seen him. He's been injured all three years so far, and we've seen him come back and actually play well off an injury. So that's something we could definitely see again. And then with the Wildcat, um, I actually was, like, I think I was tweeting out, like, why are we running the Wildcat on the bowl game? Just to kind of get that switch up that we weren't getting. And uh, we've talked about already, they weren't really running it. And I thought, like... A lot of the times it was just, uh, you know, hand it to Stevie from the three-yard line. He punched it in for the for the touchdown. He just had three out of the Wildcat that one game. But I thought it was something that we could have used more. So it might be something interesting to see this year. But the reason I said worse as I take down the collective mood here, um, I think it's, it is a pessimistic look. And it's kind of just like knowing Indiana's program history and seeing what happened last year, you can't almost can't be too optimistic about um, this this program. And it's just kind of a fear of like the expectations are so high and the offense, you know, did a lot. And it was it was the weakness. Somehow the defense was so good that, um, you know, if you don't have Penix or you don't have a fully healthy Penix or even if you do have a fully healthy Penix, can you expect him to do everything he did last year? Like the the Ohio State game, uh, I think we'd all agree that his first half was bad. Um, he would agree with that, too. He he said at the press conference, the Penn State game, uh, everyone forgets how bad you played in that Penn State game. We were out. We were like doubled on offense. Yeah, I mean, it was like we were up 17-7 at the half. IU took the lead, um, and that was really just because of the defense. You know, they they, they missed that kick right at halftime. And the loudest the, doink of all time. The weirdest oh ending. Um, and then they came out, and, you know, they gave up the, the, the game. I, honestly, the game was over. 
And then Penn State's running back fell into the end zone and gave new life to Indiana. It was a 99.9% chance that Penn State wins that mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. until they when it was 21 nothing. Then it goes up to 28 nothing, and all of a sudden Indiana has new life. And then Penix did some kind of ritual on the sideline and, and came to life and played out of his mind to win that game. It's called home field magic. It, it home is. Home field magic. Not yes. a sponsor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, if you're listening. Yeah, but... Um, you know, and we could probably make an entire podcast arguing if that last play was actually a touchdown or not, or a two-point conversion or not. Um, you guys might not like that. A lot of people listening might not like that. Um, I, still I don't think we got any Nittany Lions here. They don't know we exist yet. Yeah, I'm still not. I'm st- as an IU person, I'm still not sure if that was in. It's just so hard to tell. But the the call probably was right to stand at least. Um, Full disclosure: I have the I have the moment. Um, uh, the the meme of uh, Penix reaching out like um, the Sistine Chapel painting. I have it framed on my wall. That's beautiful. Um, <laughs> I love that. It will stay there and it will go to my new house next year. Now, I do want to bring up this point. That was with Nick Sheridan. That was his first year as OC here. This is his second season. He's probably learned a lot. And honestly, we had lots of great moments. One of the best seasons in IU football history. It was kind of a trial run. Because it, it was fluky. There was COVID. They only played eight games total. Um, they'll play eight games by November mm-hmm. this year. Um, also, hopefully they won't be screwed out of the conference championship. Um, <laughs> whispers that into the mic. <laughs> whispers into the but mic. But anywho. Hi, Buckeyes. Um, <laughs> but is Nick Sheridan better? Does that matter? He has to be. I mean, like, you can't expect him to come back and not be better i mean like naturally like obviously you approve year to year that's how life works except for when it doesn't often and several times over thank you radley (laughs) um (laughs) but you know like he he needs to step it up like tom tom allen can't afford him not to step it up if he wants to accomplish all those goals that he has um and i think i think nick sheridan is a really nice guy I, i enjoyed going to his press conferences um but I like he, he needs to learn how to use the running backs. And I think that this is a very aggressive take out of me. Um, Del McCullough coming here is, is going to help. It's it has to help because, you know, we saw McCullough here before with the running backs room with Tevin Coleman and Jordan was Jordan Howard under him. I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Someone can fact check me on that. Um, seems I, right. I believe yeah, the answer is yes. I think uh, Howard was after Coleman. So yeah. So we've seen it before, and we've seen almost this year in the spring that these running backs gravitate to him and what he teaches. And he comes out of Kansas City, going to the Super Bowl two two years in a row. And you know, you look at that, and you look at him teaming up with Nick Sheridan, and you just kind of think like, how could this this play calling with the running backs, and how could this not get better? And that's that goes against my take earlier that the offense is going to get worse because <laughs> now I'm saying how could it not get better but um it should be worse but here's how yes there's 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 a lot to be optimistic about if if you're someone who watches IU football and wants the offense to be better because Mm -hmm. of you know that hire and we haven't even talked about Charlton Warren yet and what what both of those hires mean not only to making Indiana football better team but to putting that team on the map of you know maybe we're not we still have the most losses of any D1 football team ever but maybe we're not the worst (laughs) program I'm I would saying, say we're well, far from the you can't program. be the worst program because Kansas exists, but <laughs> long term, long term. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Kansas can get better for a while. And, you know, you think about 2019, too. The, the offense was wonderful in 2019. And I think a lot of that is because you had such a good offensive coordinator and Kalen DeBoer. I think you were just blessed with having him. What a great coordinator. I think you should keep an eye on Fresno State going forward because that's a team who could, you know, scare a lot of people out in the Mountain West. They had a really good season last year, although I think they ended up losing to New Mexico kind of late in the year. But. 
anyway, enough on the Mountain West, but, <laughs> uh, you know, Kayla DeBoer did a great job, and, and those are big shoes to fill, and that's why I think, kind of similarly, I don't think we're going to talk about the defense here, but with Charlton Warren, he got some big shoes to fill with Kane Womack, who took the South Alabama head coaching job. So, uh, you know, for Sheridan, I think it was kind of a tough year one uh, to fill in those shoes, and, and credit, it's tough for any coordinator to fill in what Kalen DeBoer did after he took over for Mike DeBoer. So I do think, though, uh, that you're going to see improvement in year two because you're just bound to. That's just how it works. Experience changes everything. And after, you know, even if it was kind of a a weird, fluky season for everyone, that's still experience. And that goes a long way for a first-time play caller. And we'll see what the effect of this is. But when you look at the roster, Dylan McCullough is listed as associate head coach. Same thing that uh, you, you had with Mike Hart, who, who took the Michigan job as the running backs coach, running backs and associate head coach. So, mm-hmm. you know, all these guys, I, I think, could in the future potentially take a head coaching job somewhere. A lot of rising stars have come through this IU staff. Obviously, in the last two years, you've had coordinators poached for head coaching jobs at G5 schools. I think you're going to see that going forward. I think potentially if Sheridan, Warren, and McCullough all do a good job, then you could potentially see them getting G5 jobs because a lot of athletic directors and a lot of you know other coaching staffs, they like the work they've seen under Tom Allen's staff. They get it. So, uh, And I forgot to mention probably one of the biggest offseason stories, Tom Allen. Well, it's not a big story because it's basically the same contract. He's just getting paid more money, yeah. but it's still mm-hmm. the same. If he keeps making bowl games, he's here for life. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, as long as he wants to be here, and I know people who are scared he's going to leave every season. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, as Indiana fan, you might have a right to, to think that just because, um, like, it's almost too good to be true. Like, how can Indiana have a guy like Tom Allen when Tom Allen could go to Auburn or Alabama or whatever he wants? And speaking of Alabama, talking about coaches getting poached, our strength and conditioning coaches get poached by Alabama, and then we, IU goes and gets Pulse New York Giants. Giants. Like, that, that's... <laughs> Shocking if you're an IU football fan. Like uh-huh. that, that just doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. And now it's happening. And now you're seeing, you know, uh, assistant head coaches and defensive coordinators go and get, you know, head coaching jobs. And it's like, this is so unlike what IU football is and what it stands for. <laughs> it's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um, not to talk about the past Notre Dame too much again, but I'm definitely <laughs> someone that grew up not watching IU football. I grew I'd, up watching IU football. For some reason, I'd always end up watching the Michigan games, which they usually didn't end well, but they'd go into like three overtimes. They would always cold. keep it very, very competitive. Be very interesting. That's the, the trend with these games against Michigan and Ohio State. They pretty regularly can keep it competitive, but and now, exclusively could not finish the job. And now that that has changed. I want to say for the long term that it's not going to be, oh, they'll be competitive. It's like, oh, IU could win. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like, a, oh, well, if a Penn State-style catastrophe happens. They, a, Penn State was a number eight team at that point. Now, yeah. obviously, that loss age different. do not mean much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially last year. You don't know what's going to happen. But, uh-huh. like, the Michigan game, when Michigan finished the season unranked, when IU played them, they were still ranked, I believe, around 20. And IU was actually higher than them at that mm-hmm. point, around 15, 14. Um, that game was complete domination. And when I say IU Michigan football game, there's one side that dominates. You go Michigan. IU was in control of that entire game. Uh, the the real the only scary moment um, after Jamar Johnson got ejected for punching Michigan, and then like the next play, um, Michigan hit a pass right where Jamar Johnson usually is for the touchdown, and then Indiana which, fans which, are sitting. Which there. is what you expect. Yeah. From a 
from a school like Michigan, all yeah. things said, Jim Harbaugh did take the 49ers to a Super Bowl. He's going to make that decision. Exactly. It's, it's the right decision. And then as a IU football fan, you sit here, you still don't know that this team's going to be a top 10 team at the end well, of the season. And right. you go, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Let's strap in. But then IU came back and went, all right, that's fine. We'll just score some more. And that was the one game I went to this year. And even at the end, you know, as a reporter, I'm like, okay, this game, you know, it's a 14 point lead. I'm writing my story. I don't have to write three stories after the final score like I do with Penn State. I'm feeling good. As a fan, I'm like, I do not trust this because I know what tends to happen with IU football. And seeing Michigan, a team you haven't beat since 1987, come on the field and they start making some plays, the defense was kind of giving a little bit of ground. You start to think, like I said, here we go again. But it never came. So Indiana, you know, closed it out, a big win. Um, And people kind of forget to look at that game, but that was probably one of, if not their best game of the season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unless you want to just count the first half of the Michigan State game. (laughs) And pretend the second half didn't happen. Or the second half of the Ohio State game and pretend the first half. We put those two halves together. We got the best game of the year. (laughs) Bradley's just bounced off the microphone. (laughs) I'm excited, man. We're having a good time. It's yeah. not in the notes, but I figured what we should do is we should go around one more time, tell the folks where to find you if they're interested. Um, Twitter, probably, since popular social media platform. I've never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where we, we we heard the uh, Macola news today. Mm-hmm. New recruit coming in. Uh, Bradley, where can they find you? You can find me at Bradley Hohulen on Twitter and zero other social medias. I'm just going to assume my name is spelled somewhere if you're seeing this, but... Um, should be in the description. Yeah, absolutely. We're on Spotify. There's right no now. use in spelling any of this. I hope we're on Spotify. That's how I listen to podcasts. <laughs> just uh, before we transition, as a footnote, are we going to come back to the? Oh, absolutely. Like overtime. Absolutely. Yeah. I've, yeah. If we got. Yes. Right, we cool. got overtime here, folks. It's it. You'll understand soon. Evan. You'll want to be here for it. Um, you can find me on Twitter mostly um, at Evan Gerke. Uh, I'll spell out my last name because. Obviously, people don't see the pronunciation and put the, the, the words together, but it is G-E-R-I-K-E. Uh, if you're interested in IU men's soccer, you can follow me there this week as IU looks to win a Big Ten tournament. I'll be covering that uh, tomorrow, depending on when this podcast goes out, uh, Wednesday night when they play Maryland. And depending on how that game goes, you can catch you should uh, You should know how that game went by this point, but this Saturday... Hopefully this Saturday, uh, you can see IU against a uh, team to be named later in the tournament championship game. Dude, uh, which I team to be, be named later was tearing up the Big Ten. They I'm, were. Oh they're, they're scary. Gosh. What, what, a, what a scary uh, 11, starting 11 they have. Um, also and, with football stuff. I do do that too. Yes. So don't, don't forget about the football stuff. That's why you're here. Yes. Uh, and, and Pat. Patrick J. Feltz on Twitter. And... If you like this podcast, consider um, following the Indiana Daily Student on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I think this is either up on Spotify or SoundCloud. Follow us there. Um, and read us at idsnews.com. Pick up newspapers in stands on Thursdays. Um, and read the website. Okay, folks. It's time for overtime. Because like every good IU football game, every IU football content, we're in overtime. Bradley. So this is overtime. You can think of this as sort of a little little way to cap things off a bit of a two-minute drill if you will the rules are different the rules are different here (laughs) we're here to have fun not that we haven't had fun this is probably the most fun i've had in the last calendar year but (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna tiptoe into a different space here right now we are recording this we're nestled in bloomington arguably the pizza cradle of southern indiana and whether it is the 
cast iron crisped circumference of a mama bear's or the instantly recognizable ubiquitous slices of Pizza X. There's something to be said about being in Bloomington and the inherent connection you develop to pizza. And so it just means more. It, just it truly means does. More, folks. It truly does. And so I want to just go around and pose some questions to my co-hosts here. If we look at this IU offense that we've been discussing and we view it as a pizza, I think we can sort of agree that the crust, the sauce, the cheese, things like that, that's probably the line, right? It's these non-negotiables, whether it's Harry Harry Kreider last season being the sturdy crust, whether it's Caleb Jones, a little bit of a little bit of extra seasoning on the edges there. Everyone has their role, everyone has their place. But I want to talk about the skill positions, the wide receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks and what toppings they represent. If you're assembling the perfect pie here, what are you looking for? I'll go ahead and kick things off. A guy we mentioned earlier, Miles Marshall. Bit of a polarizing figure. Arguably his most identifiable occurrence of this year was dropping a sure touchdown pass from Jack Tuttle. But I would argue that with him, with his large frame, with all of the potential he has going forward, even though he might be polarizing to some, he could be, I mean, he could be the next Ty Freifogel. I hate to get ahead of myself, but that is a belief <laughs> I have. Didn't even come up. And so what's a pizza topping that's extremely polarizing, but extremely beloved by those who enjoy it? That's right. I would contend that Miles Marshall is the pineapple on our pizza here. Ooh. I was going to say pineapple also for DJ Matthews. Oh, okay. DJ We're coming Matthews. back. Bradley. Hold on. Explain pineapple for, I, I like Bradley. I go, mm. <laughs> Bradley Coe. No, I mean, I think I've said what I need to say. I mean, pineapple-wise, he's a polarizing figure, but honestly, I think just in the same way that pineapple can add just an unparalleled tang, zest, and sweetness to a pizza pie, I think Miles Marshall might soon become a fixture on this offense in a big way. Here's why DJ Matthews is pineapple as well. So you look at what he did at Florida State. It, it seems like things did not work out at Florida State for him. Not everybody's a fan of pineapple on pizza. Florida State was not a fan of DJ Matthews, all things said and done. Not his fault. I mean, hey, what are you going to do? Things just don't work out sometimes. Haven't heard a bad word about him at IU. Some people love pineapple on pizza. There's my comparison. See, I would disagree with you. I would call DJ Matthews like margarita pizza. You know, he like he's not really like a, a Bloomington kind of staple. You know, he's a new guy. He's kind of making himself <laughs> from the exotic notice. lands of Tallahassee. Exactly. So, you know, if you go to Bloomington, you don't really get margarita pizza if you're at Mother Bears or or Goodfellows or, or Pizza X. Like you're gonna get something more more standard. And DJ Matthews, I think, is that kind of like what's this? Like exotic Tallahassee flavor. Absolutely. I'm, I think that's absolutely fair. And please, Colin, go ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna go for the tight ends, probably one of my favorite offensive positions and often overlooked, kind of like Matt Bjorsen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you tell? I feel like, what, he was second in the tight end roster? Mm -hmm. I forget. I think yeah, just about, yeah. Behind yeah. Peyton Hendershot. Not that they use the tight ends a lot. I might see some AJ Barner this year, too. Peyton Hendershot. Uh, Cam Taylor. Fumbling with the ball mm -hmm. in the end zone, usually. Um, Matt Bjorsen, pepperoni. This is, this is very controversial. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense. No, go ahead. I'm, hit me. Pepperoni. None of this makes any sense. <laughs> this None makes absolutely sense. sense. No, we're, it's we're, gonna we're make even more sense. Come on, please explain. So, my favorite pizza in town. This is not an endorsement. This is just what I like. Um, Mother Bears, Detroit-style deep dish. Detroit-style deep dish is covered in the sauce. Right, Underneath of course. That probably prevents the crust from developing a sog. I'm yes. <laughs> Under that is the layer of cheese and the layer of pepperoni. Second. Second in line. Big season coming for Matt Bjorsen. Big season. And he's right under that top layer. Everyone's talking about the sauce. They're looking at it like, oh my gosh, it's got so much sauce. Why is there so much sauce? And it's on top. That's all people are talking about. But right under that surface is the pepperoni. Right right under that sauce. You just got to take a bite. You see, wow, there's the pepperoni. It's got cheese. Um, 
I, I what, who's the cheese in that situation? Um, maybe David Ellis. People don't talk about him. David Ellis is actually Italian sausage. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's a good one. I no, like he can I have bring no spice. Cr- he can bring savory. Sometimes, if not used well, it's too much umami or too much other extraneous flavor. But if you use perfectly and in the right system, I mean, he's just completely utilitarian. We, we haven't talked about quarterbacks either. I mean, you got Michael Penix, who's got to be your meat trio, and Jack Chuddle, who's your nice cheese. <laughs> We're really crossing metaphors here, but I don't disagree. I mean, it's a it's a it's a meat lovers, it's a garbage style, it's everything you could want all at once. And yes, I did call it Mama Bears earlier. I think so. Feel free to cancel me if you're into Bloomington Pizza culture. Or or Mother Bears, if you don't want that name to be spelled wrong again, uh, throw us a couple uh, sponsorship dollars. Yeah, take Email. take money from the local business during the pandemic. I think is what we're. <laughs> I think this podcast is worth investing into. We're going if places. You're, hey, I, I member management. I'm here. It's it's good. Um, if if you are interested. In sponsoring this podcast or anything at the IDS, uh, send me an email. Um, I'll forward it to people that need to see it. Um, you can you can do that at, at editor at idsnews.com. That's uh, it's not as fancy. It's the managing editor email. Um, there are more than one of us. Um, I'm Colin Copeland. This has been Reach for the Pop. See you next week.